Okay, guys, welcome to another Jesus Rant. Pastor Tom Carter, Word Without Walls Ministries. This is Season 2, Episode 8, Graceland, Part 6. And we're continuing kind of our mini-series inside the series, focusing on Romans chapter 14, verse 17, which in the King James Version reads, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For the last few weeks, we've been looking at those three things that make up the kingdom of God, or the promised land, the land that flows with milk and honey, our inheritance, the land, <coughs> excuse me, the country where grace is sovereign, and those three things that make up that kingdom are righteousness, peace, and joy. We did righteousness, we did peace, and now we're doing joy. And... The reason that I think this one is important is because, unfortunately, traditional Christian, quote-unquote, church world, religious teachings would have you believe that you have to suffer in order to be a, quote-unquote, good Christian. They would have you believe that you're not allowed to have things, you're not allowed to do things. If something's fun, it's probably a sin and you shouldn't be doing it. When... Joy is one of the foundations of the kingdom. You can't live in the kingdom or out of the kingdom or be the kingdom without experiencing these three things, righteousness, peace, and joy. The quote-unquote Christian life is a better life than what we think we can have. The Bible says uh, in one place it talks about how we uh, God has already given us abundantly exceedingly abundantly more than we could ask or even think like the best we think it could be pales in comparison to how good god knows it can be and we i think honestly we miss out on so much that's available to us because we're looking for love in all the wrong places we're trying to earn our bread by the sweat of our brow or we're trying to get right with god through uh through our own earthly physical human means. And that's not how it works. That's not what God wants. I always come back to this, but when Cain and Abel both made sacrifices unto the Lord, Cain's sacrifice was from the fruit of the ground and what he could produce in his own human labor, and God rejected it. He didn't want that. And Abel brought a lamb. The only sacrifice God has ever wanted or would ever accept is the lamb, which, of course, we know is Jesus, the Lamb of God, who took away the sin of the world. And that sacrifice was made on the cross 2,000 years ago, and that sacrifice brought us out of the old and into the new, out of the world and into the kingdom. Because if the kingdom is found in the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost is found in us, that means we are in the kingdom right now. It's the days of heaven on earth. We don't have to wait for, you know, some glad morning. We don't have to wait for uh, some pie in the sky um, afterlife, where hopefully we've done more good than evil. So we go up instead of down. I, I just, I can't get with all that because it's now Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus came that we might experience his love because that's what life is. The thing that makes the abundant life abundant is love. And when we're talking about joy, we're talking about, again, something better. I think a lot of times life is a grind. I think we can all agree with that. A lot of times you just 
got to do what you got to do. You have to take care of your responsibilities. Even Paul wrote in the Bible, he said, if you don't work, you don't eat. So this idea of rest is not being a spiritual couch potato. It's not sitting by and doing nothing. Sometimes there are, you know, there are situations where you should do nothing. You don't always have to get involved in everything. You don't have to fight every battle. In fact, the only battle that you should fight here on this side of the cross is the good fight of faith, which is simply laying hold of the gift of eternal life that you've been given by believing it, by using the faith that you've been given. But what I'm saying is living from a posture of rest means you understand, <clears throat> excuse me, that this righteousness, this peace, and this joy, it's not something you need to get. It's not something you need to try to earn. It's, it's something that you have. It's something that you are. It comes from the Father. Last week, we really kind of harped on the idea that you you are a peacemaker because God has given you his peace and you take what he's given you and you spread it out. You give it away. You share it. You receive it and release it. And in the same way, when we're looking at joy, joy is not circumstantial. Joy is not something that comes from something external. It's found in the Holy Ghost, which is in you. So I really want to read uh, quite a bit of John chapter 15. I want to start with verse 1 and read all the way down through verse 17. And I really like this stuff. Uh, the heading in the New Living Translation that I'm using is Jesus the True Vine. And I want to spend uh, probably most of our time today here talking about what Jesus said uh, in this passage because it's so good and it's so foundational and it's so important. I believe, to our, our, our spiritual walk, that we understand some of these truths about who Jesus is, why he came, what he did, and what it means for us right now today. So let's look at John chapter 15, starting with verse 1. Again, the heading is Jesus, the true vine. And it reads, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit, so they will produce even more. I'm sorry, that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Again, it's he, he's talking about himself as the source of, of everything in our lives. He is life. Jesus said in another place, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. God doesn't just want to be a part of your life. He wants to be your life because he is life. He wants to be intimately involved in every aspect of your life. Which again goes back to my favorite verse, Pray Without Ceasing, where I think it's just this attitude of gratitude where we just acknowledge and involve him uh, Commit your ways to the Lord, and He will bring them to pass. So many times we think we have to do things ourselves, or, or you know, I see this kind of in Hollywood a lot, where they're like, "Oh, God's gonna sit this one out." God doesn't sit anything out. God is always with us. He has sworn to never leave us nor forsake us. So we need to kind of get rid of this idea that there is anything apart from God. He's everywhere all the time, and more importantly, He's in you all the time. The King lives in the kingdom. The kingdom is the realm where the king rules and reigns. So when we're talking about pruning the branches, 
uh, in cutting off the branches. I don't think that those are quote unquote good people and bad people. I think those are things in our lives that maybe don't belong there that God will prune in your life he, or, or he will draw attention to in your life so that you can. And, and I believe this is the best way to get rid of those things so that you can starve them. If you starve something, it will wither and die. You won't have to fight with it. You won't have to conquer it. Just don't give it your three T's. Don't give it your time, your talent, or your treasure. If there's something in your life that shouldn't be there, just cut it off. That's that's you know that's how cancer works. When you cut out the cancer, the rest of the body can be healthy. So when we're talking about pruning branches, and look, again, the father is the gardener. You don't have to always, you know, uh, look at yourself and beat yourself up and try to find all the things you're doing wrong. God will lead you and guide you and direct you and protect you. He will bring to light the things that he wants you to focus on and manifest in your life. And I think that's, again, that's the better way to do it because what you magnify in your life is what will manifest in your life. What you shine a light on is what you will see. What you feed is what will grow. And if you're too busy feeding the good things in your life, then you will naturally starve the bad things in your life and you won't even have to worry about them. They'll just wither up and die. And and it won't be a priority for you and it won't be a struggle for you and it won't be a problem for you. All you'll be left with is the good things in your life that God wants you to have. So it goes on in verse five and Jesus says, yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. He is the source that is connected to us. He says, those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. And again, that's not God saying you're a good person. So you're with me, you're a bad person, you're out of here. That's the choices we make to abide in him or remain in him or uh, uh, present our bodies as living sacrifices to him. And you can choose not to do that. And then, you know, you, you will, you will wither. You, you will not grow spiritually. You will not grow in, in this righteousness, this peace, this joy. You will not grow in grace or forgiveness or mercy. You will not grow in God's love. And I'm not saying you have to earn it. I'm just saying, again, you have to acknowledge it. You have to receive it. It's a gift that's been given, but if you don't receive the gift, then you can't do anything with it. If somebody puts, you know, a million dollars in your bank account, but you don't know it, and, and, and then, you know, even if you find out about it and you don't believe it, then you're not going to do anything with it. Uh, there's a picture that, that gets used a lot about, you know, specifically talking about forgiveness, where when you forgive somebody, you unlock the door to the jail, right? And then you realize and understand that you were the one who was in prison. When you have bitterness in your heart or unforgiveness in your heart, you're not necessarily hurting that other person. You're hurting yourself. They may not even know that they did anything to you. They may not even know that they're on your radar. They may, you know, it, it, it quite possibly could have been collateral damage on their side and they don't even know that you're upset. So if you're waiting for somebody to apologize and they don't realize they did anything wrong, you're going to be waiting forever and you're going to be mad about it forever and you're going to be bitter about it forever and you're going to be you know, feeding on all of those things forever when forgiveness will allow you to let those things go so that you can walk in newness of life so that you're not held down by all those different things. He says, anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. 
Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. And again, that's not talking about eternal torment in hell. The fire purifies you. It it burns away all of the things that shouldn't be there. And I believe that we have a measure of free will, but I believe at the end of the day, God's going to do what God's going to do. And in reality, he did what he was going to do 2,000 years ago on the cross. And it's just being made manifest in our lives as as we, you know, as we, again, as we grow in all of these things, as we learn all of these things, as God reveals himself to us and in us and through us and as us. So verse 7 goes on and it says, But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. And this verse is a little bit tricky because... Some people take that to mean that, well, if I'm doing a good job, then God's a genie and I can rub the lamp and get what I want. But the trick is, is that if you remain in him and his word, which is Jesus, which is love, remains in you, you won't ask for anything that he doesn't want to give you anyway. You won't ask for anything that he hasn't already given you because your motivation will be different. Your appetite will be different. Your wants will be different. When you're so full of love, you won't be worried about asking for things to get for yourself because love is never about getting because love is giving. When you're so full of that love, you'll be asking really for opportunities to give. You'll be asking for opportunities and people to come into your life for you to be able to give what you have to them. And that's a totally different mindset than always get, 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 me, me, me. That's taking what you have and using it, taking what you have and sharing it. And there's no better life than a life of service. That's where joy comes from. Joy comes from knowing that you are loved and loving God back by loving people with that same love. That's a joyful life. If your life is full of love, you will have joy in your life. So, and he even says, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my father. In verse 9, Jesus goes on and says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy, Jesus' joy, a greater joy, a more excellent joy, not a conditional joy, not a joy that comes and goes with circumstances, but an everlasting joy. He says, yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Remember, he just said, uh, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love. So he said, obey my commandments, remain in my love. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends, since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. This is all about receiving and releasing the love of God. That's his commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. All you have to do is let God love you and love him back by loving the people he puts in your road. It's that simple. And I'm not saying it's that easy because sometimes love is hard. Love is the maximum effort that you can give to somebody or to something. 
Love is literally laying down your life for your friends, esteeming others higher than yourselves, putting what other people want and need in front of what you want and need, giving what you have and not worrying about anything else, not worrying about getting anything. If, if you're giving somebody something in order to get something from them, that's not a gift. That's, you know, control and manipulation. Oh, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. That's not love. Love is, oh, you have an itch? Let me get it for you. And you don't worry about whatever else happens. You don't worry about if you get itchy. If, if, at the end of the day, God will scratch your itch one way or another. And, you know, people always say God works in mysterious ways. I believe that's because for the most part, God works through people and people are mysterious. But let's keep going with this theme of joy, the joy of Jesus, the joy of love. When And, and, and I can tell you this from experience. When Jesus said in another place that it is more blessed to give than to receive, that's real. I've been on the receiving end of things in my life before. And, you know, it's good. It's fun. It feels good. It brings joy. But there's nothing compared to giving. And I'm talking about like, you know, on Christmas morning, when somebody gives me a present, hooray. When I give somebody else a present and they light up, that's a whole different thing. That's a whole different deal. I remember one time uh, I, I gave somebody a pretty, pretty substantial financial gift. And the only thing that I got in return that I didn't ask for was a hug and and this person was shaking with joy and relief because they needed a miracle and that miracle arrived in the form of here i got your back i got you covered this is not a loan this is a gift and i know that they felt really good but man did i feel really really good because the best way to feel love is to love someone it's not about getting anything. It's about giving. The best way to feel joy is to make joy. The best way to feel peace, again, as we saw last week, is to be a peacemaker. If you can produce happiness, or or again, if you can bear this fruit or produce this fruit, it comes from Jesus. He is the vine, but then it, it, it moves through the branches. You pick fruit off a branch. That's how the other people get the fruit from the vine is through the branches. People get God's love from us who have God's love, he produces it and we bear it and we give it to those who we come into contact with. So that's what makes us joyful. That's what lets us experience the joy of the kingdom. It's not, again, I'm going to keep saying this, it's not circumstantial. It's giving what we have. So let's look at Psalm chapter 5 verse 11. It says, but let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them sing joyful praises forever. Spread your protection over them, that all who love your name may be filled with joy. Again, this joy comes from the love of God. It comes from knowing that we are loved, and because we are loved, we can love. It's the receiving and releasing of God's love that gives us this joy that we find in the Holy Ghost. Which is what Acts 13.52 says. It says, And the believers were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. There's a direct connection between true joy in the biblical sense and the Holy Spirit. Joy is found in the kingdom, which is in the Holy Spirit. Joy is found within. It comes from within. It's not something you can get or not something you can earn or not something you need to chase. 
If you are trying so hard to be happy, you're missing the point. Your joy comes from the love of God. And it comes from loving him with the love that he has given you by loving people. And I think it's important uh, as we kind of get ready to, to wrap up and wind down today. It's important that we look at the idea that it's not conditional. I've been, you know, I've been hammering that pretty hard today because I think we have this idea that, you know, happiness or, or joy or whatever you want to call it uh, only comes when when things are good. And that's not the case. It's all internal. It's all from within. The believers were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. It's within us, and then it comes out. And when we let it out in every situation, when we let it out under every circumstance, then instead of being a thermometer, which just simply takes the temperature of the room that we're in, we can be a thermostat and we can set the temperature in the room that we're in. If it's dark out, you don't have to accept that. You can let your light shine. If you're in a dark room and you turn the light on, you're not in a dark room anymore. Light trumps darkness every time. God is light and there's no darkness in him at all. We are that same light, which means there's no darkness in us at all. He's pruned us and he's gotten us to a place where we are exactly who we need to be. And now, now that we are who we need to be through the cross, because of the cross, the finished work of the cross, now that we are who we need to be, now that we have been conformed to the image and likeness of Jesus, now all he has to do is show us who we are. All he has to do is reveal to us who we are. And then instead of trying to be somebody we're not, we can be who we are. And we don't have to try to get anything. We can simply give what we already have. We can fight that good fight of faith. We can lay hold of the gift of eternal life that we've been given. We can seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, not in the sense of seeking something that we don't have but wish we had, but simply in the sense of seeking or exploring what we do have, finding out what we do have, and experiencing what we do have by using what we have, by giving it away, by sharing it. Love is giving. Joy comes from being loved and loving with that same love. So I want to read two verses to kind of close this out today. And I think both of them, hopefully, uh, are the idea of this joy being internal and unconditional instead of external and conditional. It's the idea that we are planted on the rock that is Jesus, the rock that is love, and no matter what happens, we will not be shaken. And I know I say this a lot, but these are two of my favorite uh, Bible verses. And, and I feel like I kind of uh, kind of paraphrase them a lot, but I want to quote them today to really be able to have this uh, kind of a foundation. Yeah, I know it's season two, but I feel like we're still really kind of building a foundation of, of what it means to be, quote unquote, a Christian or to be a follower of the way or to be whatever it is you consider yourself to be. So we'll start with Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. And, well, I don't want to go into the backstory too much. I want to keep this, you know, down, down to a short kind of guerrilla gospel hit and run kind of uh, uh, message here. But Genesis 50, verse 20 says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of, 
of many people. When you love somebody, you are literally saving their life. You are giving them what they need to understand what life is. There's another place in the Bible, I, I believe it's in John's writings, where he said uh, something along the lines of, we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. The difference between death and life is love. If you have no love, you have no life. But if you know love, you know life. They're not just connected, they're the same thing. Because again, it's Jesus, it's God. God is love, God is life, God is light. The three L's, right? So even when we think we're in a bad spot, what we don't always realize is it's a bigger part of God's plan for us. Sometimes we always have this snapshot mentality where we think whatever's happening right now is how it's always been and how it will always be. But over and over in the Bible, they use the phrase, it came to pass. And what that means to me is that it came to pass, not to stay. Look back in your own life. You've gone through so many seasons, so many phases, so many different uh, adventures, if you want to put it that way. That's what I tell my son all the time. I'm like, man, we, we've had a lot of adventures. And he'll, he'll always say, yeah, we have. And, you know, that's what life is. If you're not changing and growing, if you're stagnant, if you're, uh, uh, what did it say in uh, John 15? If you're withering. That's because you're staying still because you're not producing that fruit or bearing that fruit or consuming that fruit or sharing that fruit, right? You are what you eat. And if you're on a good diet, you're healthy. You're, you're able to change and learn and evolve and grow and move forward in your life. So even if it doesn't look good right now, just remember that right now is not forever. Right now is just right now. And I believe that there are two main reasons that we go through things. The first main reason that we go through things is so that we can learn and grow, right? Everything in your life is either a blessing or a lesson, right? So we can learn from it. And that brings me to the second reason that we go through things is so that we can help other people when they go through that same thing. We all go through the same things in our lives. This, hum this, this human experience is very universal. Like we all go through the same things. We all will. To, to a certain degree. We all have the same issues, the same struggles, the same problems to a very large degree. So if I've been there, done that, and got the t-shirt, then I can help you when you need to go through it. And it's <clears throat> always better to have a guide even than a map, somebody who can show you the way. So we need to understand that even if somebody intends to harm you, God intends it for good. Which brings me to my last verse, Romans chapter 8, verse 28, which reads, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. God has a bigger picture for us. He has a grand scheme for us. And if we can stop looking at things in that snapshot mentality, we can have joy no matter what's happening. We can have joy even when it doesn't seem like it's good, even when it doesn't, even when it seems like someone's trying to harm us, we don't have to stoop to their level. We don't have to fight back or strike back. We can turn the other cheek, which does not mean stand there and let someone keep hitting you. It simply means don't retaliate. If you need to get out of there, get out of there. 
But my point is, is that we can have joy standing firm on that rock, knowing that all things work together for the good. All things may not feel good. All things may not look good. All things may not seem good, but all things work together for good. And that's where our joy can come from, from that blessed assurance that no matter what we're going through, A, we're going through it. We're not stuck in it. I've learned the hard way in my life that you're not stuck in any situation. You can you can move. You can change things. If you're banging your head against the wall trying to get a different result, you're probably just going to get a headache. But if you can change things, if you can move in a different way, you know, uh, uh, the definition of insanity is trying the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. But if instead of doing that, if we can have this joy in our hearts and we can move through this everlasting, eternal, abundant resurrection life of God, we don't have to stay where we are. We can go where he leads us, where he leads, we can follow. And then when we're following him, we know that we're on the right track or, or, you know, on the right way because he is the way. And if you're in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing, that's a joyful life. When you're serving others, that's a joyful life. When you know that God loves you, you can love him back by loving people. And that's a joyful life. You can take refuge in him and you can rejoice because you're safe under his wings. You're safe in his loving arms. He's our protection. And that fills us with joy. So we don't have to fight all the time. We can just love all the time. And when we love people, not only will it bring them joy, but it will bring us joy. That's what the kingdom is all about. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So next week, we're going to continue on with Graceland, but we're going to move in a different direction. So uh, we're done with Romans fourteen seventeen. Don't miss it next week to find out what's next. Okay, well, if you enjoyed that, I want to invite you to check out my website, jesusrant.com. You can get my daily rants on there. You can uh, get the my books that I've written on there. They're also on Amazon. I have an author's page on Amazon. Um, I've written a lot of books. I'm pretty proud of them. You can order them. I try to keep them cheap because I don't like to pay a lot of money for books, and I don't think people should have to pay a lot of money for mine. So check that out. Um, if you want to support the podcast itself, you can find it on anchor.fm. If you just search for Jesus Rant, um, you can support it monetarily. You can support it by uh, liking it, sharing it, subscribing to it. And you can, su- you can support it, excuse me, by word of mouth, by telling people about it, uh, helping other people listen, find it and listen to it. And uh, thank you once again, as always, for spending your time to listen to it to uh to help me to get the word out which you know as we know by now is is my heart is just getting this word out word without walls ministry um so just thank you for your support i love you and there's nothing you can do about it amen